Hey guys. Oh guys. <clears throat> this has been a rough one. Uh, I'm recording this on Wednesday, November 9th, and we all know what happened. Um, it's been a really, really like shockingly emotionally painful day for I think so many people, um, me among them. And uh, I just want to express gratitude to those of you who are listening to this. Um, uh, thanks for helping to, <laughs> on a selfish level, make me feel like um, I'm participating in something that uh, is a, full of, you know, a community of, of thoughtful, funny, honest, scared, great people. Um, this episode is, uh, with Deborah Baker Jr. It was recorded very recently. So we do talk about kind of how our, how we're feeling about all of this. Um, but we had not yet, uh, seen election day come and go. So I hope you enjoy it. (laughs) I hope you're enjoying the things about your life that are meaningful to you and that you enjoy. And, um, I usually like to live in a, an optimistic world, so I'm hoping that I will uh, rise to the occasion in this case as well. And I want to thank, shout out wise, I want to thank Roberto, Christian, Kyle, and Jesse for your emails. I want to thank um, all the wonderful uh, social media kind of um, incoming stuff uh, that I've gotten since this happened and before that. But, um, so thank you for that. I'm doing a lot of like hemming, hawing and heavy breathing and like beyond swallowing. I'm sort of doing these gulps that I'm sure are very audible. <laughs> uh, okay. That's all I have to say except for this one last thing. And um, I, listen, I don't know. Uh, I don't know who listens to my podcast who also maybe voted uh, for Donald Trump, but if you did and you do like this podcast and you're a regular listener to it and you feel comfortable emailing me um, just sort of a, a respectful contemplation about what your reasoning was, I'm honestly very interested in and I want to hear it and I'm willing and I will respect you back uh, if you respect me. I'm just trying to kind of wrap my mind around this better and I think I have a pretty good sense of it, but you know, I think it will help maybe combat some of the anger, uh, some of us are feeling if I just continue to try to understand it. Um, even as I lobby for change. Okay. That's it. Boy, I really went off and uh, I appreciate you listening and I'll talk to you next time on the podcast. Now entering nerdist.com. Well, now I'm recording, so you better pick that up. You better pick that up, put it right in front of your face, hold it right up. What is this? Oh! That's a pen. Oh my God, this is just in time. Yeah. Oh, Deborah gave me um, uh, a pin that I admired and uh, loved very much, which so is. I went out and I got it right, right a for po- her. A poodle wearing um, a cute French outfit. Yeah, it's a French poodle with it's a French It's a French beret. poodle with a French beret. I think I told you. Did I tell you the actual words that are the, that's the most joy I think I've ever gotten on a set, which was this is working on mutton stuff. 
Whereas listeners who listen to the Sam Levine episode know I we recorded in my trailer uh, at Mutton Stuff um, when he and I were both doing the Halloween episode. But uh, they it's a bunch of dogs all dressed up in costumes. And it is a very, very efficient set because it has to be because it has children, puppets and dogs. Yep. And Dream. in the most serious uh, voice, one day the the first AD was like, who's got eyes on the doodles? And I was like, this is my dream. I'm living in a world where you must have eyes on the doodles immediately because the doodles are needed to shoot something. It's my favorite thing in the whole wide world. Oh, what a dream job. Yeah. Yeah. What a dream job. So now every time I see anything approximating a poodle, it could be a Labradoodle, it could be a poodle, it could be a Labrador, I I immediately am like, who's got eyes on the doodles? (laughs) Urgently. Um, Yeah. Well, I I got to get you on that show. Please. Thank you so much for this pin. I cannot wait. I'm going to see if I can somehow incorporate it into my outfit this time. This time I understand that I am, and I don't, this may be a real spoiler, but I think I might work on a boat this time instead of a plane. I mean, I think they should have you on all modes of transportation. <laughs> I, mean, that's, I think that's the plan. I mean, they're, they're going to go through everything. Like, what's and the least it's gonna expensive be like, Janet set. on a bike. Janet yeah. on a bike. <laughs> You'll just be like pulling all Janet of them. Janet is a hell's angel. <laughs> Janet is a hell's angel. Wonderful. Um, this is very long overdue. Um, that's okay. We didn't do it in the summer because for some mm-hmm. reason I was unwilling to hold, to record it and hold it until after Boys of Summer. Which so is So we just recorded fine. Nate. But you were my I was Andy in the Richter. corner. I was in the corner with uh, Nate. So Nate's. I kind of feel like we've already done this. And basically like everything that happened during the recording of Nate, I wish that, I kind of wish that it was a video podcast because <laughs> we would have a... A, 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 a never-ending, eternal recording of what happens every time you and I are in a room with Nate, which is that when Nate is saying something, we're actually spending more time looking at each other, <laughs> smiling and nodding, going, he's just, the, the whole exchange is nonverbal, but it's like, he's the best. Yeah, it really, yeah, best. I turn into a puddle. You turn I mean, into I, a I puddle. I immediately, like, smile, and I'm like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> like, I need a fainting couch, you guys. Yeah. He's such a joy he's such a joy so we obviously met on the set we met like the day before we started shooting Mm -hmm. and we shot before we shot we shot before we (laughs) We, shot we shot our weapons yeah you came with me that was immediately a great sign and was that this but that was the even i the day the the moment i met you is when you came into the hair and makeup trailer and we both were kind of getting our, our once over by our hair and makeup ladies right right because you came in as a blonde and you came in as a blonde and then we you had found out basically within that day they were like go ahead and dye your hair brown yep <laughs> so many so new I've things seen, so many new things happened to me in georgia yeah so but i do feel lucky that i got to see I, i'm glad that because that was a big part of who you were before we met. And so there's something for me that's satisfying about having snuck in and seen and met you in person as a blonde before Burnett. Cause otherwise I would be this person who's like, I mean, I've never even seen you in person as a blonde. Right. But I have so many people They're believe that I would look horrible as a blonde. I, I spent the whole Nate and I flew together to Atlanta. We sat right next to each other that's and I right. talked to Zero the whole time because mm-hmm. I instantly fell in love with him. And um, I was a blonde the whole time. So when he saw me the next time, as a brunette, I don't think he was like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's a, it's, 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 a, it's a big difference. I guess it's a big difference whenever anybody does, but it's, it was a, it was a big difference when you do it. Mm-hmm. But I think it looks so great. Hey, thanks. Uh, hey, thanks. Now, let me ask you this. I recognize and acknowledge, and I do 
not in any way mean to downplay your love of Nate. I really don't. <laughs> That's all right. But are you the, and you know, I'm going to ask this is, but are you the kind of person who likes to fall in love with people? Do you know what I mean? Are you the kind of person that also is like, I see the best in most people and I would rather feel, cause that's sort of how I feel. I would, I'm hoping to feel the very best about everyone of and that course. doesn't happen, but you know, yeah. it feels great to feel that way. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I don't, I definitely, yes, a hundred percent. I, I, you're very I good at loving want. the people that you love. And so oh, that's why I'm yes. wondering. I, yeah, I think, I think I do. I think it's, I, I want absolute, I think the best, someone the other day was like talking about how horrible a certain person who's running for a president is. And I, I was like, and they were like, I just hope they get shot. And I was like, they're in deep inside me somewhere. I'm like, but they're still a human. Uh, yeah. Even like, um, maybe people are going to really hate me for saying this, but like, even when like Osama bin Laden, like, got killed and shot what a horrible horrible human he became right but like he was a baby once i know like i know uh, like i always think like maybe one day <laughs> yeah <laughs> they'll turn around <laughs> yeah so i do i i wish the best i mean um, do i think i do not love those people i don't i'm you know i am a human i have feelings i know yeah. they're terrible terrible human beings but like yeah, I do wish the best out of everybody. I keep rooting for them, yeah. even if they are a monster. Yeah, I don't think I had a moment of... Um, I can't say that... I mean, I don't want... And I, and, and I don't want to tout us as being, like, above it all. No. because I Because I have just recently said... I think I even said it with Kirsten on our last episode that I feel 100% capable of murdering someone. Sure. <laughs> like, in a situation where everything like I know I'm capable of making bad spur of the moment choices Mm -hmm. I was just walking in the neighborhood in the late evening the other day and I was carrying a stick because we had the dogs with us and there were a lot of coyotes out and I was like you know what this isn't going to be an issue but I just would feel better it's just the feel better thing which by the way is not that far away from carrying a gun (laughs) I understand that differently now (laughs) but I was like if I just have this stick I'm going to feel safer yeah I'm going to feel like I can protect my family better and all of that was going on in my mind I was like oh this is a revelation interesting because I don't really have that I you know I'd never shot a gun going back to us shooting together (laughs) and I was so sick to my stomach about it kind of but also like really excited and all of us having all those complicated feelings and then so i'm i'm dealing with just the feeling of like god i really want to carry this big stick president roosevelt uh and not speak <laughs> softly i also wanted to yell so the coyotes would be afraid of my size and loudness but um but i i i then so then we were walking up the hill and this car just came screaming around a corner and like zipped like hot rotting down the hill and we could have been hit and everything in me wanted to hurl that stick at like the back windshield like just break something hurt someone and it really took a lot for me to not do that like the stick was like leaving my hand and I was like wait wait what is everything I know about crime taught me? The other person could have a gun. The other person could have a gun. Like, don't, this is what my, you know, the, the handful of people I know who are in law enforcement or like DAs or whatever have always been like, it's never worth it. People are crazier than you are. And if totally. you want to do that and they have this, they can escalate it and you can die and it wasn't worth it. Yeah. And so I taught myself, but feeling all those feelings all at once, I, it just reinforced that I have it in me. But yeah. that said, I felt real weird when Osama bin Laden was killed. I felt real weird when Saddam Hussein was killed. Yeah. Like, 
I'm not saying that I was like, I feel bad. I'm going to no, miss no, no, those no, guys. No, no, no. But I was like, this doesn't feel good. All it does is remind me of the heinous, horrible acts that have been committed by people like Ooh. that. But it also makes me, it also made me uncomfortable. And it, all of that also reinforces like, thank God I'm not in a decision making position. Yeah. I believe that, you know, men and women are equally capable of making those decisions because to get to the point where you're responsible for those things, you're a very different kind of person than I am. I don't think it has to do with my gender, but I definitely don't feel like I could make that kind of decision. Yeah. You know? No. I mean, obviously, though, they were like also psychopaths. So there's like a lot of chemical imbalances going on there and like just like power, whatever. But I mean, oh, wouldn't that be horrible if I like turned out to be like one of those people? Yeah. <laughs> wouldn't it? <laughs> Would I want me to die? I don't, this I is hard. Want me to die. <laughs> it's tough, man. Like, I don't like. I just I, don't know what to do in that situation. Just, it's not like I'm like, well, guys, I have the answer. Don't worry. Chemical no. castration or life imprisonment yeah. or like I'm not saying that's better or more. I don't know. I'm not saying that that's My more humane really, than just ki- killing yeah. someone. I don't really know, but I, I don't want to make those decisions not knowing at the same time. You know what I mean? Unless I feel sure. Yeah, my mom always had a really good um, like plan. She was like, we should just ship them. Out to space. <laughs> That's how we get our space prison colonies. Yes. It's so simple. Yeah. Space Australia. Yeah. Look, at Australia turned out fine. Australia. What a wonderful, yeah. charming yeah, country. <laughs> She's like, yeah. Is that is that ship, something? Ship them out there. <laughs> <laughs> is that the kind of thing that she would have strong opinions about when you were growing up? Like Ooh, she yeah. would, so she would Ooh, share yeah. her points of view liberally we with weren't you even with your to family. Have, like water guns in the house. Yeah. Guns were not toys. And then I went and married a marine. That's right. Good for you. Get them. There's Show so many em. guns in my house. Yeah. Um, I don't touch any of them. Um, yeah. Is your dad like that too? Or was your mom more the loud voice of opinions and stuff oh, like my mom, that? Like when my mom and dad are in a room, my dad just like kind of sits back. Um, but then if you get my dad by himself, what a goon. Uh-huh. Like, such a goon. Um, my dad loves it. He's like a party animal. Um, yeah. But my mom always had like the stronger opinions. And I would talk to my dad like when my mom's not around. Yeah. <laughs> Pushing the conversation yeah, like, okay, her way. Okay, listen, now I got you. Let me get to the yeah. bottom of this. Yeah. yeah. Well, and your parents are still together. They are. Tell us uh, how many siblings you have. I forget with people whose stories I know that I need to make sure that everyone else does too. Um, I have one sister, one brother, and then I have um, another Let's call her my sister. Because um, you do. Because I do. Um, who I'm not related to by blood, but is part of our family. So I have two sisters and a brother. And both my sisters are happily married. And one of my sisters has two beautiful girls. Um, so I'm an aunt. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. And uh, where did you grow up? Boston. I grew up in Boston. Mm-hmm, I was born mm-hmm. in Baltimore. And then I grew up in Boston. Um, and in then, Boston proper? Mm-mm. No. Um, in Wellesley. Okay. And then is that where a girl a college named Wellesley is? Yes, yes, it is. Great, <laughs> my grandmother that checks went out. There. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, that's but like, like a, way later in life. I'm sorry. Where did Mona Lisa smile take place? Wellesley. It did. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Because I know that there are some different girls. Scroll, check me on that. Sure. But I'm hundred. Yeah. Feel like it's Wellesley. <laughs> yeah. That's why I asked because I thought if not if it's not that then that's what I think of when I yeah. think of things like that the sort of yeah dead poet society for my boarding school was schools. exactly like that it was mm-hmm. I went to all girls boarding school in Virginia and it was very much like Mona Lisa's when did you start going to boarding school how old were you um freshman year okay yeah that's an early time totally to go it's away an East Coast thing though like yeah it is an East Coast thing um, most people go to prep school 
Yeah. Freshman year. Yeah. And like go away. Wait, when you say most people. I mean like. My circle. (laughs) (laughs) When my circle growing up, most people went. (laughs) Right, right, right. Not most people. Thank you, Janet. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just bringing that up because. I grew up a real big walk. And (laughs) clearly have no pulse on what's actually. (laughs) I was like, who is filling up all those public schools? (laughs) Oh, yes. Um, Yeah. Your peer group, most of your peer group went. Mm-hmm. Did you have a lot of friends go to the same school or was that a real, like, a, was that a scary thing to have your friends up till eighth grade that then everybody kind of shipped out and went somewhere else? Um, I, no, that wasn't ever a thing. I, you know, I, we moved down to Florida when I was in third grade and um, we had a house down there. My parents were like, you know, let's go be those um, snowbirds, but with children. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, um, we moved to Florida, this tiny little barrier island, which I adore, um, called Boca Grande. And um, it's on the Gulf side. Tiny, it's like a half a mile wide and a mile long or something Is like that. Is it near Boca Raton? Mm-mm, other side. Oh, okay. Other side, the other Boca. I see, um, I see, the other Boca. <laughs> yeah. Um, and... So I was down there from like third grade to eighth grade and I bounced to two different schools Hmm. there. And so in the school that I did go to from um, sixth grade to eighth grade was over an hour and a half away in Sarasota. So it was, I don't know. I was always, you didn't have that attachment to school of like, guys, this is our school. Like, what are we going to do? We're, you know, we're not, we're, we're not Mm going to see each other. You were ready. I, I oh, I was um, yeah. always really awkward, always bullied. It was horrible. I hated school. Plus, on top of that, I was dyslexic, so school wasn't like fun, right? <laughs> in any aspect, it wasn't like I'll just hang out with my friends. Yeah, because <laughs> like, I didn't have like any. A stressful, <laughs> a stressful. Um, how, when were you diagnosed? Like how, really, really early. Which actually. is great. It's really great. Um, my dad runs the Dyslexia Foundation, so he's dyslexic. My grandmother's dyslexic. Um, is that something that tends to be genetic? I guess I is. don't know mm-hmm. how that works. It is yeah. genetic. And have they identified? Parts of, I'm sorry to be so no, ignorant about no, it. No, no, that's it's, okay. I, I feel like I have, I think we all have a working understanding of it in a way that we don't necessarily, rarer things. But when I really think about it, I don't know about the way it works the way I know about like fragile X or auti- like certain mm-hmm. forms of, mm-hmm. you know. It's such a, I'm, uh, <laughs> for my dad running this foundation, my sister's really the one to like talk to about this because she like helps him and is so smart and doesn't have dyslexia. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, but uh, it's such a, there's no two dyslexics that are the same. Mm-hmm. So they're beautiful snowflakes. We are beautiful, beautiful snowflakes. Yeah. So that, that, that makes it hard. So exactly what you just said, mm-hmm. that, that, of course, mm-hmm. of course it's hard to like pinpoint because some dyslexics really excel in sciences where other dyslexics, I would say most dyslexics, um, excel in the arts because mm-hmm. it's the other side of things and expressing yourself. Um, almost all dyslexics have trouble reading if have can't read um me particularly it's trouble reading trouble writing math woof and um (laughs) when i get really you know frustrated the words are there yeah but i can't get them out yeah so i'll either stutter or i'll invert my words or Mm -hmm. i'll say the i'll say one thing but Unless you really know me, you would be like, wait, what? Or like, right. oh, I know what you meant. Right, <laughs> so right. Like, so often I am constantly like, hyper, I'm hyper, hyper sensitive, especially around new people or 
in the work environment, especially my work environment, um, I'm always like, oh my God, just like take it slow. Don't come off dumb. <laughs> just because yeah. it does. It comes off really like either you're very ignorant or not educated because you, you will misspeak. And it's right. like, no, that's not what I meant. That's not what I meant to say. Sure. No, I feel like such an asshole. <laughs> sure, sure. What, um, did you stutter when you were a kid? Did you have anything that, that manifested itself in a, with regularity in that way that was noticeable to other kids other than just your schoolwork or your... <clears throat> no, I was like, when I was little, especially because my dad's foundation, we traveled the world and we were constantly with different researchers and, and meeting all these really fancy pants people. Um, I, I, I had no trouble. It wasn't until I was in school and started reading and having to actually do you know the letters and things like that that i even knew that i was like any any different or Mm -hmm. um, a different learning style um but my parents were really good about like picking up on it really fast and i had tutors my entire school career um and it was just knowing they taught me early on like if you don't understand something you raise your hand and say excuse me can you explain it a different way yeah because Typical brains understand things like to get to the solution, go A, B, C, where a dyslexic brain might have to go A, F, G, C to get there. Right. You know, like you just, it's yeah. a different path. It's a different way of seeing things or maybe just doing it backwards. Um, so, yeah, it was a lot of like, can you just explain that differently? I really <laughs> well, did, don't get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you have... Is there, did you have things that you, that kind of became staples for you of like, well, this is how I approach memorizing a script, or this is how I would have to approach this thing. Like, these are the tools that I kind of built for myself because everyone's different. Every dyslexic is different. So there are certain maybe guide, like, you know, suggestions or guidelines are like, oh, this is a, this is sort of a method that works for um, someone that I know. And I was able to kind of adapt it. And my approach is this, or is it as simple as, you know, you just have to take it slow and be patient. You, I, for me personally, I don't know for other people, um, I just had to take it slow and be patient and also just be like, as, as soon as that little voice in my head is like, this is too hard, this is like overwhelming, I'm done. So it was, you absolutely can do this, you are going to get it, just do it. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's definitely a, something I had to work really hard on, memorization, but I am a champ when it comes to cold reading now. It's yeah, you just, are. It's just it, well, it is I remember if you know I'm I... saying you were a little nervous about Plan Nine, and you were so terrific and wonderful. <laughs> no, but, but like, you, but here's what I'm say. This is what we all do. Anybody who has a thing that they feel sets them apart in some way in a negative way, we do the same thing that anyone else would do, but we ascribe it to their our thing. So like, I flubbed a couple of lines, and I didn't think twice about it because I'm not dyslexic. So I was just like, that's life. But you might go, well, that's probably because blank. Sure. And same thing with me or like friends of mine who have had, you know, histories with mental illness. Like somebody will be like, I'm obsessing over the fact that my girlfriend cheated on me. And I'll be like, hey, don't worry. Everyone obsesses about that sure. after it happens. <laughs> like that's not you think that's a you thing because you're, you know, putting it into the category of I'm not, this isn't OK. I'm scared. I don't like this feeling. But like that's a human thing. Yeah. And that's a nice thing to kind of get be able to check in with. It was like maybe this is just what happens to everybody. Yeah. It might happen to me more often, but also it's just like a thing that happens sometimes, you know? Yeah. I definitely have gotten way better at, at it, it, not letting it affect the work. But yeah. um, yeah, that's 
that, that I mean, that's my only my only advice. <laughs> well, what about in high school when you went away to school? Um, did you know? Did you know going in when you went away to boarding school that you would have tutors there? Or by then, were you sort of like, I got this? No, I did. I had I, I had tutors there as well. Um, my my parents were really straightforward and with the school, and you know. I got a language waiver and they, you know, they were like, you know, she has a learning difference and she's going to have to go to the lab and, you know, with the extra help with the teachers mm-hmm. and a, things like that. Does so. a language waiver mean you didn't have to take a, lang- a foreign mm-hmm. language because that's mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. kryptonite? Yes. Yeah. I can understand uh, it's, that. It's great if I'm in a room and someone's talking to me, I'll probably pick it up a little bit faster. And when I was little, um, I picked up very fast. As soon as I try to read it or you, you you do it slow. I can do accents like that. Mm-hmm. I can do if you talk to me and we. I can. I can get it. But it was looking at the words and then trying to read the words in a different language. It, like I can't do it in English. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, like yeah. let's not even get into yeah. like all the rest that's of it. Hard. Yeah. It, that's because I took two different languages and I still feel like oh, when I think about just having to sit and write and it, it's just a whole different. Thing. It's like it, it, so much about knowing, like l- learning a written language like French was more like math to me than any other mm-hmm. creative arts or, you know, what, it, it, it was, you know, language sciences, that sort of thing. That was it was much more it was because it became this sort of technical formula thing that my brain would just sort of go. No. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't going to stick. Yeah. You know? 100%. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I was so fortunate because my class at Foxcroft was only, I think we graduated with 25 girls. Yeah. What a great ratio. Did you wear uniforms and stuff? No. It was just dress code. Um, some days we wore the Foxcroft uniform for like. What's a dress code? What was the dress code? Uh, khaki or black pants or mm-hmm. skirt mm-hmm. and a collared or button down shirt. Understood. Understood. Uh, could be belted in or out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> did you, um, did you have my other people who've done the podcast definitely had the experience of like finding ways to be very creative and expressive within those confines, kind of like, you know, writing a sonnet with certain words or whatever. And then other people say like, it just made no one care about what they wore. So we were focusing on other things. Yeah, I mean, it was an all-girls boarding school, so it wasn't like, we definitely had our own <clears throat> flair within J. Crew. Um, <laughs> it was like a Work it. I've seen those catalogs. Listen, they really know how to make them stylish. Um, uh, but yeah, it wasn't like, it wasn't as a big deal. And, it, and being dyslexic, I felt so fortunate that I didn't feel like an idiot raising my hand asking a question in a class because you know joe schmo over here like oh he might be looking at me and think i'm an idiot um yeah yeah it uh, i feel very fortunate and it was of all my schooling which was for the most part really painful and horrible foxcroft those four years were some of the best four years of my life and those are my closest closest friends and to this day is like the most magical like special place to me and if you ask any Foxcroft girl, which is like really crazy because I've come across, we all wear the same ring <clears throat> and I wear this ring like every day. Um, someone the other day was like, are you wearing that ring in the show? And I was like, mm-hmm, I am. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, I didn't know that that was your Foxcroft ring. It's the same ring that's yeah. been around for over a hundred years. So every single Foxcroft girl has the same one. I'm envious of that. I um, wish that I had that relationship too, because I, I, I liked school enough. The, the kids I had problems with 
and not all the teachers were amazing, but actually I really felt very trapped in school most of the time, but I liked the idea of being moved and inspired in school. Cause when I would latch on to a subject that made me passionate, it was like incredibly exciting and so cool. And I think I would have really loved that because that is such a specific age where you're still quite young to be mm-hmm. living away from home to create that feeling of community and to create that sisterhood. Um, that really sounds, it does sound magical to me. Yeah. And unlike some boarding schools where it's very like cookie cutter and like filtered right into all of the IVs, um, the headmistress head, <laughs> headmistress at the time was very passionate about being like, we're not a cookie cutter school. And each girl here has something unique and special to bring to the table. And we ran the morning meetings and we, we we ran the school. And we each were able to find truly what we were passionate about and really focus on that. And it wasn't so much about like standardized testing and things like that. Like in history class, if we really got into this amazing conversation about, I don't know, Genghis Khan or something, our history teacher was so just like, jazz that we were interested that he didn't care that we didn't get to the rest of the lesson plan he was like no let's have this conversation Mm because this is more important Mm -hmm. than checking off x y and z boxes and i found that in almost all my classes um that they really catered to the students and i don't they were just jazzed about like the kids there and really like what are you guys interested in like let's yeah let's 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 keep you excited about the learning process oh my god and there were so many things for us like we all played sports and and there was music and there was art and there's so much art um and it's a huge horseback riding school i didn't ride horses but i was you know on the stage but uh it's like the number one horseback riding school in the nation so there's just so much to do there um, on top of all these amazing traditions that mm-hmm. aren't necessarily academic based. So you can still thrive and not feel like you're drowning there just because you're not doing well in school. Mm-hmm. There's so many things you can do well in. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was it was so cool. Were there um, like scholarship kids that mm-hmm. would go there? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's such, mm-hmm. a, such a small class. I was wondering like how much of that could have been accommodated with like needing just to have the expenses at the school met yeah my class was particularly small my sister was a freshman when i was a senior and she i think had like 45 girls um but all girls schools especially like prep schools are you know a dying thing because most prep schools the money the husband gives the money to his school not the wife's school yeah so you know, like, even within the sort of <laughs> waspy, to use yep. your term, uh, like, world that like I can't even like the, like you have to know that first of all you are so grounded and so generous and so humble and so sweet and so down to earth and so 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 um, involved in you know, sort of the every person that and and I know some of what you've done for a living and all that kind of stuff and. I just don't feel you take anything for granted. So that's not like that. But you know that like for me, (laughs) the idea, like just hearing the husband gives his Mm -hmm. money to his Mm -hmm. school. I think about my dad and his school teacher salary and like me being given like my $3,000 for college. Like, hey, you know, whatever it was like, good thing you got a full ride, buddy. It's like, it's so amazing to imagine. I mean, that is sort of a fairy tale world to me, you know? It's, it's a dying world too. Like I, I, it, uh, I mean, 
thank goodness I had parents who there was so much more to life than any of that sort of cookie cutter world. Yeah. Um, I mean, they let me go to acting school and they didn't care that I went to a, a conventional college. They were like, no, this is what you really want to do. It's what you've always wanted to do. Like, yeah. go do it. You're great at it. So, whereas like, you know, their brothers and sisters are like, oh, but what's her backup plan? Right, like, what's, right. Was well, she ever going to really go to college? Like, who, how, who's she going to meet out there? Like, right. and my parents are like, no, she's great. This is what she's doing. Yeah. <laughs> go fuck yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but my mom didn't grow up in that world. And my dad did. So I think. Each, and where's your mom from? She's from, um, she's from Wellesley, which is very like hoity-toity now. But like when she grew up, um. It w- I mean, it was still, a, like, a pretty nice town to live in outside Boston. Um, she but was- culturally, she comes from a totally different background, doesn't she? She does. My mom's Lebanese. Mm. Um, but they they weren't really raised, like, they were raised in the Catholic Church. Like, gotcha. Boston, Catholic, gotcha, gotcha. you know, whatever. My grandmother yeah. um, was a very prim and proper Catholic woman. Um, but was also very Lebanese. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... She loved the hummus. Yeah. Uh, were you religious when you were in uh, when you were a teenager? Did you have a, like a relationship no. to God or anything? Mm, a, uh, a God, I should say. Spiritually, yeah. But my parents, um, when we moved to Florida, we'd never gone to church. My parents were just like not in, into that um, because I think they were both raised pretty religiously. Not my dad's side, but my mom definitely. My dad's side just went to church because that's just what you did. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. And then had your G&Ts. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sunday, baby. Sunday worship. <laughs> um, but yeah, I went to, to church with a classmate one day and I came home and I was like, mom, like, I think I was like, did you know flamingos were made on day seven? And my mom, <laughs> and my mom was like, okay. <laughs> so she ran the Sunday school at this Episcopalian church that was like all old people and then us. And um, she was like, and she made it very clear. She was like, I don't care what you believe in. This is a religion that I want you to know about. Mm-hmm. And you get to choose what you believe in. Nice. Take it or leave it. And she was very, very clear on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we all, all three of us are, are spiritual, but not necessarily religious. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And what about um, boys? How do they factor in when you're uh, at boarding school, when you're a, a, a adorable dyslexic boarding school attendee for some of the year, and then you come home during the breaks? Yeah. Question mark? Yeah. Did you have boy, any boyfriends? Mm-hmm. Um, I did. I would have, so there was an all boys boarding school. Um, Got to be. Listen, again, like I couple. have seen Mona Lisa Smile. Um, I have yeah. seen Dead Poets Society. They, uh, it sounds so gross, but like we would get in buses and they would ship us over there or they would get in buses and ship us over to, to our campus and we would have mixers on the weekends at different schools and we'd all get dressed up and they'd put it all these like hot sweaty teenagers and mm. in like a room to dance. <laughs> <laughs> mingle, mingle. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I, I mean, if that counts as a boyfriend of like talking on the phone late at night, sure. We didn't have cell phones when I was at boarding school, so we all had these um, payphones in all of the dorms. <laughs> Spent some long times in those payphone booths. Uh-huh, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, if that counts as a boyfriend, seeing them and talking to them, then yeah, that's what I had. And then there were like there were some boys on my vacation time, but. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Only only uh, a couple times a year. Yeah. Well, like there's got to be a different relationship to like you know, the, the, the get, like getting interested in someone on vacation when you have this finite amount of time before you know you're going to be in a totally different location for the rest of the time. Mm-hmm. It's very different than like, you know. And then we went back to school again in the same place and continued to date or, you know. Sure. Whatever. Yeah, because I had... <laughs> So I feel like I'm coming across this as like this like really spoiled, rich, uh, waspy kid. But so in the, I went to boarding school and then I had my home in Florida where I would go to, um, uh, you know, for Christmas and Thanksgiving and spring break. And then on the summers, we went back up to Boston oh, to the summer right. home. So that's I had, right. you know, my uh, my summer flings. And then sometimes for a month, I was out in California to, at tennis camp where the heavy romance would happen. Oh, yeah. My, uh, California dreaming. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I hate Ooh. myself for saying that. Ooh. Tennis camp. What What was different about that? What made that so extra sexy? Um. Well, first of all, we all had to wear tennis whites at all times. So. Fair enough. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> um. No, I mean it was just like summer camp, so it's like you know, summer romances. I didn't. There were none. There were none to be had for DBJ. But man, oh man, did I crush hard. <laughs> um, that does seem like a good place. Where was that? Where, where in California? Um, in Carmel Valley. Okay. John Gardner's beautiful. Tennis Ranch. Beautiful, beautiful. That's, listen, that's sand, you guys. That's sand in the Carmel area. Ooh. So pretty. Beautiful. And the water's so green mm-hmm. slash blue. It's really nice. That that's but like that's how I first fell in love with California. Was that I used to come out here in the summer times. So yeah. It's like, oh. I think this is the place for me. Yeah, no kidding. Did you feel, and you felt that? You sort of felt that in your bones? Like, something about this. Like, my parents' friends that I would stay with before I would go to summer camp were always just so way more laid back. Like, I got to call them Tom and Wendy. I didn't have to call them Mr. and yeah. Mrs. We're on the East Coast. There was no first name basis on them. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think, yeah, yeah. I was like, ooh, they're groovy. And, you know, they were just so much more laid back. Um, I was like, I think this is a little bit more my speed. It's almost like. What has just happened to me now? I love that I can't. I can't just. I have to like put it into a context of a movie or a book. Now what I've moved on to is you are both the two real Haley Millses. You could go Lindsay Lohan if you want, but I prefer to go with the original Let's Parent go Trap. Haley, Haley Mills, thank the two you. Haley Millses have merged back into the single Haley Mills that they always were. And you are having that sort of like upper crust East Coast experience. And then the dad's ranch house, even though it's your friend, it's your family <laughs> friends. Ranch house is like where you really let your hair down. And like, yeah. that's where the ladies actually wear like capris and like a, a white shirt, crisp white shirt. But it's like tied at the waist where sure. over there the woman would still be wearing it. And also you grew up in the early 50s. Yes. <laughs> my mind. Yeah. I feel like I did too. I guess all of the things I'm talking about are all set in like the more innocent time too, where you only went to Wellesley to get a husband. Like I, I can't yeah. think of a single thing I've seen that's a contemporary version of that. So I have now jettisoned you into the deep past. Well, I guess it's sort of a recent past, but I, uh, yeah, I kind of feel like I, I was <laughs> living in those times anyway. So that's fine. That's that's valid. Yeah, um, I wish that I had. I wish that my version, like I wish that my experience of being in Arizona was the kind of cinematic expectation equivalent of that, and I could be like, well, as you know, I grew up on a ranch in Arizona. <laughs> 
where I looped and lassoed cattle uh, for the summers because we did have rodeo vacation and I have five cowboy hats and I also am a drug mule that I go <laughs> over the border into Nogales. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I feel like I, I, I stay grounded throughout it all, though. Like, I you know, no doubt of that. Like, my mom was really adamant about us all having a really strong work ethic, and she made us work at a very young age and, like, babysit and be responsible. And- so I think some parents, especially if there's any part of them that has any kind of, um, and it certainly has nothing to do with, well, it, it doesn't have to have anything to do with race, but it can have to do with class. If there's any kind of a class greed, I mean, uh, uh, like a, like a concern of seeming greedy and one having guilt about that, like that there's that, like I didn't have to have a job. Do you know what I mean? I didn't have to have a job until I needed a job when I was in college. Um, but there's sort of a pushback against that. That's like, oh no, you're going to fucking be in the work. real world. Kid. Yeah. When I moved to L.A., um, that, you know, my parents definitely helped me out, but they were, you have to get a job. Like, we're not helping you unless you yeah. get a job. And so I waited tables. I waited tables yeah. and babysat and bartended and, yeah. And you worked with um, kids with Down syndrome, too, I think, didn't you? I did. After I got burnt out uh, waiting tables and uh, doing all of that, I decided, <clears throat> what else could I be doing in this town <laughs> that could be a little bit more fulfilling um, and a couple of my buddies, uh, were working at the special needs early intervention program and they loved having actors cause they were like incredibly enthusiastic and the kids love them. And they're like, just come and like, see if you dig it. And, um, 18 months to three year old kids. And I would just sit there crisscross applesauce and get to read books and use all my voices and talk to the kids and i feel like i relate to kids really well even though i'm not probably going to have them in my life well i (laughs) I like other people's kids i feel the same way and i think that's i mean that's like the volunteer work that i do or or even just hanging out with my friends kids um like (laughs) there there's there's a I the feeling of guilt I have is when parents or you know parents in these volunteer groups and stuff are like you're just so great with it thank you like like that sort of (laughs) pulling you aside and being like thank you for hanging out with August all Thanksgiving she really loved that thank you as if I made a sacrifice when the reality is is like oh no no that's where I wanted to be I'm a child if I can use that in some positive way to be of help in any kind of environment great but it ain't like I'm like here we go I gotta read this really awesome book with this kid and use voices and like make them smile that's really sucks no I almost feel bad leaving because I'm like I think I liked that a little bit too much. Like, right. <laughs> I think that was a little bit more for me. <laughs> um, yeah. No, but that that was great. And I worked with kids and at that um, Therapy West, it was an early intervention program um, alongside, you know, therapists. And until I just decided to just do, just do babysitting. And then uh, now I don't have to do it anymore. <laughs> But I still love all those kids. Yeah, I'm gonna get you. I gotta get you roped into the uh, that one thing that I do sometimes because I think you would really have a good time. I really do too. Yeah, I'm really bummed that I missed the last one. Well, that that's you're working. <laughs> that's that's how that works. <laughs> yeah, it's really okay. Um, are you excited about the elections? You know, this is a mostly political podcast. I'm not sure why I waited forty. <laughs> uh, yes. Um. Um. I am. Mm, I. Are you nervous? Yeah. I yeah. mean, who 
he's nervous. Uh, yeah, it's I'm such a little a, like, nervous. It's such a whew, like the energy out in like oh, sounds so hippy dippy, but like it's true. Like everybody is on edge. Like mm-hmm. at work today, everyone's like, "Okay, well, tomorrow's the day. See you guys all tomorrow." Yeah, and like, yeah, like I don't know. Yeah, I was I really worried, and and I and then I first and then I listened to two podcast today kind of while i was working um that i highly recommend to everyone their podcast everyone hears me talk about all the time anyway which is radio lab and this american life but this american life has been doing the most wonderful coverage um this girl zoe chase who's like my current favorite kind of podcast journalist she does a bunch of stuff i think i've brought her up on the podcast before she has the most adorable i'm not sure where she's from but it's like Minnesota, Michigan, someplace in there. So everything kind of sounds like this. So she's talking about stuff and everyone's name is like Deborah Baker Jr. It's so over the top. (laughs) When you first hear her voice, you're like, oh boy, this is, she sounds like she's doing a character. Like, I'm not sure. And so quickly I was like, oh no, now she's my favorite because she doesn't have any kind of affectation. And she's there's something about her that's so human for that reason. And she's clearly like young and interested in people. And I think she is another example of like, I felt really weird about Osama bin Laden getting shot. Like that's sort of what I would imagine her saying also, but she spent so much time, this whole era of what's been going on, really digging deep into small communities of people um, and their relationship to the Republican party. And being so and like humanizing so many people and really like looking at those rifts that are happening between conservative like religious conservatives who can't who can't fathom how Donald Trump is the candidate to young gay kids who think Donald Trump's awesome and is the answer to you know just everything she can kind of get into and and it's that that thing where you're like I want to know who these people are she's really made that her goal Um, and so they've done this wonderful job with that and they really haven't done much with I think they know their audience and they're like everyone who listens to us probably doesn't know this but does sort of know um, a little bit more about like the Hillary side but then they just did a really interesting piece on Hillary and I still think I mean it's a I don't think it's you know, I'm please. It's a liberal. I'm yeah. sure you know they're they're. I don't. I I wouldn't say that they are. You know, partisan. But I can't imagine that they don't have a sense of who their listeners probably are. And my guess would be, if I had to make a guess, which is what I'm doing, that they are largely you know educated liberal listeners, um, opposed to educated conservative listeners. That's mm-hmm. just my guess. Mm-hmm. But uh, but they did a really interesting um story on Hillary and the whole email thing based on like a Politico article which was based which which was really like listen there's a lot of scandal and there's a lot of stuff that's like real meaty about things she's done that you can question and you can kind of like with anybody you can go this will either argue further towards me hating her or it will argue towards me liking her or i will find a way to be okay with it if i like her and i will find a you know but this idea of like the email server thing being like a stumbling bumbling bureaucratic short-term solution to like the fact that she's a luddite instead of this big conspiratorial like oh my god she had a private server it's like well the scandal is the woman doesn't know how to use a laptop computer (laughs) which let's talk about that because that's kind of crazy if she's going to be our president but it's a different kind of scandalous than you know 
these it just sounds to me like a bunch of you know overworked like people who are just like she can't she won't carry two devices like there's just no forethought and that's again not an excuse at all um and 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 it does not I feel it doesn't pull punches on saying like, here's, you know, here's what Hillary's known for. She doesn't, she comes to the table and fights for what she can when it suits her and she'll disappear when it doesn't. So, you know, you can definitely be critical of it, but I think it did a good job of saying like, let's make sure we're being critical of the right thing. If we're going to be critical about it, which I thought was really interesting. But anyway, I kind of walked away feeling calm. I walked away listening to both. And then the radio lab one was just about how every vote does count and is sort of a very sweet kind of, idea and and i did walk away feeling like okay listen we're gonna be okay look maybe this is democracy working the way it's supposed to because it's it gets to be broken in this way and it gets to be put back together and we get to have these conversations and maybe that's the epitome of democracy is that it's a fucking mess right instead of we don't get to be scared about what's happening to the Republican Party. And we don't get to wonder how we ended up with, you know, people we feel maybe criminals running and all those kinds of things. Like, Yeah, I, I, I think, I mean, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I'll be relieved once it's over, but I, because I don't, I mean, well, maybe I won't be relieved. I don't know, but I think it's... And like, a, what does over mean? Exactly, you know what I mean? Exactly, we'll, be, we'll be relieved, I, I guess, when we don't have to listen to campaign speeches and, and slurs as much, but... but Right. I mean, will it even be over? You're right. You're totally right. But um, I don't know. I think there's such like a stick. We are in, I feel fortunate to be around a lot of like-minded people who are very open and liberal and have the same views as I do. And, you know, there are people back East and I have family members who do not agree with me. But I think it's so interesting that they just don't want to... um, talk about it I, I like you know i'll ask someone they'll be like you know my dad's voting for trump and i'm like why or my dad you know my or my mom's voting for hillary like i think it's so important to have those conversations rather than be like well i don't want to talk about it like they're voting for that person like blah blah, blah. i'm like right. have the conversation because i feel like there's so many people who are just doing it because well, that's what I'm supposed to do. Right. Instead of like really breaking it down. I mean, I guess it's a little too late to have this like soapbox moment for myself. But um, <laughs> Well, I was just curious. I mean, again, this is I'm just I think it would be I just that's what's something that's what's going on. It's like yeah. it's a big it's a big deal. And so I haven't really talked about it that much, but it does creep in because it is something that everyone's kind of bombarded with all day. And yeah. But I do think like I, I I'm just I'm in I'm interested to listen to that podcast because it's like I'd I'd like to when we were in Georgia, I would talk to the you know the officers there or I would talk to you know some of the people working on our crew, and they have very strong views that were different than mine, and it was just like oh, okay, but they weren't horrible people, Mm-mm, right? Absolutely, they were some of the kindest people I've ever met. Yeah. So it's like, they're not monsters. It's just they the, the way that we think one way is the way that they think another way and are so in, you know in their ways about it. So, But I think it's important to have those conversations. I mean, we, <laughs> we definitely had some people on the crew who would like ruffle feathers for some of these people and just like ask questions just to be assholes. But yeah. um, I don't know. Well, well, I think it's... We're yeah. a country made up of different opinions Absolutely. and ideals and that's... A good thing. I strongly encourage people, and you particularly, based on what you just said and our experience in Georgia, to listen to um, the This American Life. Uh, it's called "Will I Know Anyone at This Party," and that is one of. It's got a great Zoe Chase um, article, article, <laughs> great Zoe Chase piece in it. 
segment segment Great. um feature yeah. uh <laughs> that is about this um these this and and donald trump was just there talking about it guys for those of you who aren't do not tune in for political reasons just know that i'm talking about purely the emotion of politics so yeah. at least you're still getting like par for the course for me <laughs> but the because that is what makes it fascinating to me and like hurts my feelings on both sides and sort of confuses and scares me and also inspires me and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, this community of people in, um, I think it's the Minneapolis St. Paul area. God help me if I'm wrong, but listen to it and then you'll know and you can listen to the authority on the subject, which is Joy Chase. But, um, but she, it's this group of people that are, you know, live in this community and there's a tremendous influx of um, Somalian immigrants, legal immigrants coming mm-hmm. in, but it's completely to their minds, completely changed the, the, the context of their community. And it's, they feel that they feel that, you know, these, these uh, people who've been here long enough feel that they're not integrating fast enough. And they feel like maybe there should be some kind of moratorium on letting Somalians into that community and you know the state i think it was the state representative but certainly a, a person in position of authority was like at a town meeting and was like it sounds to me like you're saying you want to have control over who gets to come here legally and i'm telling you right now you don't that that is the reason the reason you are here is that our country welcomes people in that is the reason you are here and he really got very defensive about it and i was pretty impressed with just how you know but then behind the scenes and then I'll stop talking about this he was like there is there are people in this community that I've known for many years who are the kindest mm-hmm. most warm and they don't see it as racist and they don't see it as nationalist all they see it as is hey I'm just a citizen trying to do my thing and now I feel like I'm not safe in, on some level or I'm not and so I really and I wanted I was I felt so angry because I was like embrace these wonderful people that are coming in and trying to adapt to our country but then I thought and I don't feel good about this but then I thought well what if my entire neighborhood was overrun with white supremacists how would I feel mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that Somalians are white supremacists I'm just saying someone different from me who makes me a little nervous Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying they're right to be made nervous, but I, that's the only thing I could think of that was like, if it was just like, you know, a situation where all of a sudden I was surrounded by people who were so different from me culturally and I felt that energy, just like you were saying, well, how would I feel? What would I do? Would I want to, would I want to say, Hey, this isn't okay. I've worked hard to to live here and have this life and feel, you know, included and, and want to be inclusive. And now I just have to leave. Is that what I, that's my choice? I mean, I, I mean, I, yeah, it, that's, so my husband and I just recently moved from Boyle Heights, <clears throat> which is right outside the arts district of downtown, um, Los Angeles for anybody who's wondering where that is. Um, <laughs> And we had to move out of the Arts District, which is a really hip and groovy, um, very cool place uh, that we were bummed that we were moving out of because it was so cool that we could walk to all these restaurants and all these different artists and creative types were around us. But our building got bought for a ridiculous amount of money and a chef-driven restaurant was being put in. So we were pushed out. And my theater company was pushed out and we were pushed out. And so we didn't want to be too far away from the Arts District. We're like, Boyle Heights is the next up-and-coming place we found a really cool place over there, um, but it it's, it was just enough of up and coming that we felt so 
out of place there. Two white people moving into Boyle Heights and walking down the streets, I did not get smiles. They were very angry. And it's very volatile over there. Um, they don't want, you know, the gentrification to happen. Yeah. And it's like, Which is <laughs> it's understandable. Like, I just got pushed out. Like, know. you know, and it's like, I, I, I'm not trying to change your neighborhood. I just, I want to be a part of it and yeah. I want to experience it. And like, I'd love to be your neighbor. And like, I'm giving you a smile because I'm like, we're just walking down the street together. I, I don't think I'm better than you. I don't think that you're better than, like, it, but the, like, just hate towards us that I felt, I was just like, I didn't feel comfortable. Yeah. I, I couldn't walk my dog at night. And that's, and so I was the fish out of water there. You know what I mean? And it's like, they didn't want me there. They didn't want my husband there. And I got dirty looks from mothers with babies in carriages. And our door was tagged all the time. And, you know, art galleries down there are the protests out in front of them all the time and i i mean i get it you've been in this neighborhood forever and you don't want it to change and at you've all. seen by now you've like, seen enough to yeah. know you know and that's what yeah like brandon was writing a piece about the you know certainly in san francisco it's the same thing it's mm-hmm. this idea of like just that whole process of like first come the artists and maybe it used to be that you would be welcomed in and i'm sure in still some communities that still exists this is one isolated experience that you know you had but at the same time there's reason for there's reason for that because there yeah. is a sense of like maybe it was okay for a while for the artists but then everyone saw what happened yeah. after they the the sort of mavens the artists came and then this happens and then this happens and you yeah. sort of see it as this thing that can't be stopped and then you lose your home yeah and I told, and that's so valid. And and obviously, it happened to me. And yeah. then I went into it, and you know. But at the same time, there's, and I'm sure this is really easy for someone like me to just like put out there. So I'm, I don't want to offend anyone, but like, change is always going to happen. I know, <laughs> like, I know. You know what I it's mean? Hard. Like, and so it's like you just kind of have to embrace it. And like, at least for me, that's what I I hate change as a person. Like it makes yeah. me very anxious. I get very depressed or I, like I hate moving. I hate, I hate all of that. But as soon as I like sort of just like break it down and like Deborah, people move all the time. Right. Someone lived here before you. And before that, there was a whole, you, you know, yeah. it's just like, and the same thing in, you know, my parents' community in the summer community. It's like the, someone comes in and buys the house next door and knocks it down and makes it an even bigger house. And everybody is up in arms and it's like, but you, added on to your house yeah and like, you i know, know back in the day i know you guys were the ones that like i agree did it. it's just like it's like, i, I agree that like i agree i agree with that and i think that the key and then if you really have to leave right now i will have to we'll have to pick this mash game up somehow in some other way or i can just like knock it out if you do you have to be where you have to be right at seven mm. or can you be there like five minutes later and it can be there five minutes okay. later. Okay, so I'm going to get right into that. It's then, down the street, so it's yeah, okay. it's like one minute away. But um, but what I was just going to say is like I would like to live in an America where I feel everyone can afford the luxury of accepting change and embracing it. And I just think we're not there yet. No, and I think we're that's not. what we what we, you and I sort of want is like I want everyone to feel. I also have a lot of anxiety about change, but I am in a position where I can sort of figuratively and literally afford to deal with that anxiety Mm -hmm. and 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 for some families in some communities that's not an option yet and so it'd be great to sort of feel like there's more of a progression towards like 
I'm okay, you're okay sort of thing. Totally. Which is very hippy dippy. Um totally uh, hippy dippy. <laughs> but listen but, like, we what, love it. You you and I love each other, we bring it's that out in each other. So it's a dream. It's a dream. <laughs> and we're gonna hold on to it. Um okay, so for my first mash question, um, you know what? This is very unconventional. I never start with this one. Maybe very rarely I have, but uh let me get my guilt over um uh, adoring your husband just right out of the way. I'm gonna rip off the band aid. First one out. <laughs> first one out. Alternate universe partner sexy times relationship marriage one night stand three people they can be celebrities they can be characters from books or movies any time any age young jimmy stewart anybody three okay um um any time any age oh goodness i know um can i say jessica rabbit yes um because I'm fluid. I don't think that you, yeah. I mean, listen, I don't think you'd be the first. And I had some, I, I definitely was um, like, I'm so, I don't know how to feel about this. Oh my God. Boy, oh boy, does she make me feel things. Yeah. Um, um, who else? Uh, um, oh, Shia LaBeouf. I, okay. I know it's okay. such a weird one, but <laughs> I, I, I just, I really adore him. your honesty. I, I really, adore him in really, so many really weird ways. Your honesty. Um, makes me happy. Uh, for a really long time it was James Franco but I just don't think it will ever work for us um and um uh, um I'm trying to think of like that that one Han Solo wonderful (laughs) wonderful wonderful thank you for exercising your improv muscle because i know that these are impossible to come with uh, up with off the cuff um okay next one is you can go into god knows i've talked about it uh, enough on this podcast jump into a movie three just get in there hang out with the characters you're not like reliving the plot just three worlds that you can kind of go into whenever you want okay Gigi. um because oh goodness love that movie um bed knobs and prim sticks wonderful um ugh, but maybe mary poppins i guess they're kind of the same worlds aren't they um similar um and oh um what's another world that i would like to be in oh i don't know um God, there's just so many that go through my head. I know. Oh, oh, um, it's a real painful process. Rumpf. <laughs> Jeez, Louise. Um, oh, God, it even got a harumph. That's rough. It is rough. Oh, the Princess Bride. Great. You're not going to regret that. Listen. Okay, I. I uh, it's a great one. I know. I know. You'll think of a million. Um, if again, I've said this before, but like if someone turned it right back on me just now, I'd be like, <laughs> I'm trying to go like, and in my mind, I'm like, I'm you need to go fast. Power. You need to go fast. You yeah, need to not like wait and think about it's this. Also because you have to go. So that really adds a lot of pressure to you. I apologize. Uh, three foods that in this world, uh, are maybe not great for you to have in abundance, um, for one reason or another, but in our alternate universe, not only are they delicious, uh, but they are also good for you and will give you no physical ramifications of any kind. Great. I would like to have some double stuffed Oreos, please. This Great. is going to be a real easy one for me yeah. because I'm always a chubby kid. Don't worry. Um, I didn't include that nasty second F that does not curse the double stuff <laughs> name. Double stuff with one F. 
um, uh, ice cream. Yeah. Um, I, was, I, I sort of thought if she doesn't say ice cream, never really get enough ice cream. Yeah. Um, and um, let's go with popovers. Oh, wonderful! Uh, they are wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Next one is, uh, let's do vacation homes, uh, real places, but it's not uh, an issue getting there. You get there. You can get there very quickly. Great. Um, I would, um, oh boy. Uh, Greece. Like, a Grecian island, please. Um, um, No trouble getting there, huh? Yeah, that's right. Great. Well, super. Maybe like uh, Tahiti. Great. And mm, I guess I'm picking like really beachy places. So let's mm, let's throw are. let's throw something else in there that's not so beachy. Great. Maybe let's maybe like um Sweden. Great. Oh, listen. Good choice. They got they got some good stuff going on over there. <laughs> uh, okay. Next one is um let's do you know what? Let's do superpowers. Okay, I'd really like to be invisible. Great. I'd really like to fly, and I'd really like to read people's minds. I've thought about this many times. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Not because of your podcast, but wonderful. just like sitting by myself. Oh, sure. Like, yeah. I'm scared of reading minds. Um, uh, okay. Can I change that one to time yeah. travel? Yes. Thank yes, you. Yes. I just feel like, I mean, I know you could do it electively, but. Yeah. I'm afraid I would read someone's mind at the wrong time and it would be something they were just like getting off their chest in their mind and then they would never have wanted anyone to know that that's what they were thinking. But if you could read people's minds, you'd know when to Oh, you would, you would know. know the intention would behind know. it. That's an interesting know. point. Okay, I see what you're saying. Um, okay, next one is uh, let's do um, mythical pet. So something, and it doesn't have to be like a dragon. It can just be like and like animals that it does not. It's not practical for you to have for one reason or another. Mm-hmm. Um, or it can be like Falcor, the luck dragon. Yeah, that's so weird that that was like the first one that popped into my mind. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, so does a Pillsbury Doughboy count? <laughs> because <laughs> I hundred uh, <laughs> percent. Uh, hundred percent. Um, also, uh, the snuggle teddy bear from Snuggles. <laughs> um, these are real Christmas wish lists that I made. Um, oh, and I was God. very disappointed I did not get them. Oh. Um, and. <laughs> and. <laughs> wonderful. I wish I had one more I could immediately think of that's like. Um, so both of those. And then, um, oh, I think, oh, mm. maybe, mm. Lassie. Great. She's a classic. <laughs> She's a classic, guys. I love, I love Lassie. classic. Um, okay, let's do. No, Mr. Ed. I, I okay. want him more than oh, Lassie. Oh, got to get the talking horse. Um, okay, then also uh, three, um, this is not superhero stuff. This is just like very basic skill kind of stuff. But it could still be like martial arts. But like three things that you wake up that you've downloaded um, Matrix style the next morning. Like tomorrow you get up and you're like, oh my God, I'm suddenly amazing at blank, blank, and blank. Mm-hmm. Um, a gymnastics. Great. I 
I still can't do a cartwheel, and that bothers me. No, if I, I think could it's either. okay. I it's think okay. I'd be like, I'm so dizzy. Um. Uh. Hmm. Maybe like um. I don't know. I, I, I when I watched the Olympics, man, I wish I was good, proficient at at some of those things. You know what? I'd really like to be great at an instrument. Maybe like oh, great, great. you know, like the fiddle. Great. Oh, me too. Um and. Um, I'd like to be like fluent in like six languages. Right. I just put fluent in six. Like yep. I wouldn't, I mean, I guess I do know what it is. I wrote it. Um, okay. Final category. Let's do. Now I'm putting too much pressure on myself and we got to get you out of here. Let's do, uh, Three. This is different. Three places that it would be fun to shoot something is different than very different than vacation. Okay. Um. And you could put it into the context of like, oh, I want to like I'm shooting like a, a you know a a bodice ripper in on a, in Scotland in a castle. You know what I mean? Like you can sort of oh, give yeah. it a genre, give it like a flavor too. I think doing like um. I mean that's I mean that's where I was going. I was like I was like I've, London. I wanted you like like a period piece in London. Great, great. Um, let me put that down. Ugh, the Crown. Let me tell you, people. If oh, you I haven't, haven't watched it. it yet on Netflix. Oh, I just started. Wonderful. John Lithgow. You are a magical. I human. just started watching Versailles, so we're not. We're sort of in similar. I love period mind. stuff. Yeah. Ugh, too damn bad. I couldn't be on Downton Abbey anymore. I know. Um, where else? I think maybe. Um, I don't know. People seem to have a really great time shooting in Hawaii. Yeah. Um, What's not to love? Yeah. They all just really dig it. And um, what kind of uh, what kind of show or movie would it be? Action. Great. Great. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Like out on that cruise speedboat. That's right. right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And um, I think shooting in like a place like like turkey or mm-hmm. or you know just some ancient sort mm-hmm. of ruin ancient ruined ruins city sort of and what kind of you, movie is that you know i mean i wouldn't say no to being in something like um game of thrones oh, sure. si- situation but, I'll, put, uh, but like, I'll put fantasy it, sort of a- uh, adventure yeah okay uh, all right like really the mummy yeah there you go <laughs> Very different than Game Everyone's of Thrones. Dream but like- <laughs> um, okay, here, I'm going to get you out of here. So tell me when to stop. I'm going to start now. Stop. Okay. Pause this. Do the fastest math in all of time. Also, it's not math. And I'll be back it, with you on 100% guaranteed MASH future. Okay. I'm going to reveal your MASH future. Um, it really is dark and sexy in here. So I hope I can read everything that I just circled. But I look beautiful. So it's you fine. You look absolutely radiant <laughs> as you would if it were very bright in here indeed. Okay. Number one, I want to congratulate. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on in this and I'm real excited about it. Okay. Uh, I want to congratulate you, first of all, on your beautiful house in Sweden. Great. Well good. played. 
but not only uh, have you do you get to enjoy this wonderful house in Sweden, you also can jump into the Princess Bride world, yes. which is magic. That's magic. It's so magic, uh, and it's wonderful with so many lovable characters. Um, you can also uh, you also uh, are shooting a, an amazing sort of fantasy adventure, the Mummy esque <laughs> movie in uh, in some place like Turkey or maybe like Bulgaria, some place yes. like steeped in in, in history. Istanbul. Um, uh, very transformative sort of like oh wow where am I um, so that's wonderful you also uh, can time travel so not bad so now you can just sort of that's like it. wishing for all the wishes you yeah. can sort of get all over the place and go anywhere um, you can all of this stuff all of this wild adventure uh, is definitely going to leave you hungry I want you to know that you can have unlimited popovers <laughs> great <laughs> Un- so good limited popovers and you are and, and also all of this traveling is going to be very helpful um, because you are fluent in six languages. Oh, good. So that's going to come in very handy. Uh, I'll tell you what, uh, it's a good thing you still speak English, though, because that's what Mr. Ed speaks. (laughs) 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 And he's your wonderful companion. Oh, my goodness. Um, And as if that weren't enough, you also have a companion with the sexiest, most hourglass figure that has ever existed. I'm talking about a woman who works purple eyeshadow in a red dress in a way I've never seen before or since with beautiful, beautiful, cascading red hair. Mm -hmm. It's Jessica Rabbit. Yes. Sorry, Roger. I will be (laughs) so excited. (laughs) You're going to be so oversexed. (laughs) Oh, oh, am I ever? (laughs) Oh, am I ever? At first when you were like, and your companion's going to be Mr. Ed, and I was like, did I pick him as my sex partner? I asked myself to make him my husband. But that was odd, Deborah. (laughs) You really jumped the gun. Should have thought about it a little bit longer. You got the hot cartoon goddess. Um, yes, please. Never be good, Junior. I adore you. Oh, I adore I you, and so I, I hope that you do have me back where you don't. Why we don't have to feel rushed? Or I will listen. I could dig even deeper into uh, about a thousand different things. We um, really, could. but we still got in a we good. Just, we got in an over an hour, so I think we did very well. And uh, we'll get you out to the UCB where you frequently can be seen. Um, you are on Twitter at Deborah Baker Junior, which is also where you are now on Instagram mm-hmm. since your name has recently become that on Instagram. Uh, you are on Stand Against Evil with me. We yes, I am. have a wonderful time with yeah. the rest of the gang. And um, uh, I'll talk to you guys next time on the podcast. Yes, yeah. As always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. Now leaving Nerdist.com.